Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 594. Mm-hmm. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we are going to close up with our month of March regarding boundaries. For those of you all who may not remember, um, our first podcast of the month was about boundaries and enmeshment. I, I judge that people, including me, don't pronounce enmeshment right. I always say enmeshment. Why do you think it's not right? Because it's spelled enmeshment. It's enmeshment. I know, and I say enmeshment. Oh, you're missing like that. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one we did was women and boundaries. The third uh, fell into place beautifully. We interviewed Soraya Shamali, and she talked about her amazing book called Rage Becomes Her. And today we're going to let one of our heroes uh, close out the month. We're going to play about five-minute clip, and we're going to break it up into smaller pieces of Brene Brown just riffing on boundaries, and we're going to riff right back after Brene talks to us because we can't really get Brene on the podcast. So this is the next <laughs> closest thing. Um, but first, um, what do I like to talk about in the beginning? I forget. Oh, the Zen parenting moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something my sweetheart does twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. We're going to focus on one that she did last week called Life Waves. And as I'm reading that... Um, we're talking about the ocean, like the tide coming in and out. But I thought of like life waving to us. <laughs> and sometimes it waves to us and sometimes it gives us the finger. It sure does. Jeez Louise. You always start it with a quote and it's from a woman named Gwendolyn Brooks. I don't mm-hmm. know who that poet, is. Poet. Oh, she's a Favorite poet. poet. Mm-hmm. Exhaust the little moment. Soon it dies. And be it gash or gold, it will not come again in this identical disguise. So basically just that this moment is unique in itself and that, you know, good things. I was just telling Todd that like a couple weeks ago, I was like at this point where, (laughs) and I've had a million of these times in my life, I guess, where I was like, oh, everything feels a little like easier, lighter, lighter. And then all of a sudden I feel so heavy again. And then life kicks you in the midsection big time like things just come in and then they go out and then they come in and i and i guess i think that what i wrote about in that one was i think sometimes when things are good i think to myself oh this is what life is supposed to be mm-hmm. at all times meaning like okay now i've like gotten somewhere we have arrived and then you can have that day or that moment and then in like the same hour something happens that you're like, oh, now it's not that way anymore. And and I'm 49 years old. I've ridden these waves so many times. Um, this isn't new, but every time it has an element of surprise to me. Where isn't that weird? It is. Yeah, like we're smart enough to know, like we could document it right here. Todd, when you're having a good day, know that it's great, but eventually life is going to kick you in the gut again. <laughs> no. But when the life kicks me in the gut, either later today or tomorrow or next month, I'm going to be like, why is this happening? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, what, what made this happen? You know, what, why today? Why now? Why this? Why? And I always have a lot of whys and I have to give myself the same advice that I give to people who ask me, which is 
there aren't always answers to those questions, and that's kind of the wrong path to go down. You just have to take it moment by moment and day by day and keep showing up. And the interesting thing is, is because I'm a journaler and because I'm a, I've written for a lot in my life and I have watched, I can read back to times when I'm like, why is this happening? Or how am I going to get through this? Or will this ever fade? And, and there's ways that things get better, but they're often unpredictable ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, in our mind, we're like, we want these things to happen so things get better. But oftentimes they get better through time, through support, through um, talking. Um, One thing that, you know, I've been talking a lot about when it comes to these life waves is that I've gotten better at asking for help. Um, And something I was talking to my daughter about is the, the two worst things are secrets and shame. Mm -hmm. And that if you get wrapped up in those things, then everything's going to just hurt a little more. Yeah. That those are going to make the waves be more violent. Yes. Um, and I'm talking about the waves that kick you in the gut. Yeah. Um, yeah. And secrets and shame, don't they go hand in hand basically? Exactly. Like really, they're not necessarily synonymous, but you need them to be partners. So you know, if you are struggling with something and you are trying to pretend you're not, that's a secret. And the reason that you're doing that is because there's some amount of shame that you have that you believe you won't be as loved or that you won't belong or that you'll find out something you don't want to find out. And, um, and once you can, those are just pieces of the puzzle that doesn't free everything. Mm. But I feel like for me, what I've learned in my forties is those are the pieces that I have to unwind first. And so if you unwind, if you unwind the secrets and the shame, then you can ask for help. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And then you can look at things. It opens up the possibilities. Exactly. So, you know, so right now we're, we're having a lot of life waves. Um, but I also, you know, this is, God, how many people do we talk to every week about this is where we are right now? Well, and it's, you know, I don't know if we are supposed to, you know, I think we're supposed to enjoy the, the, the warm feelings that happen when the wave is a comfortable one. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we're supposed to be, uh, enjoy the waves that are uncomfortable. So, you know, this kind of brings me back to presence or Buddhism or something like, Am I going to suffer through the the uncomfortable waves, or am I just going to allow the pain to be? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to pile on my own? Hey, it shouldn't be like this. Instead of like, it is like this, mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable. Right. Well, you know, waves are such a good metaphor because. Yeah. Um, like you said, when you think about riding a wave, you know, you can think about surfing, which is fun, you know, or you can think about just being in the water, which feels good and, and it being warm and, and then think about when a wave pulls you under, Mm -hmm. you, you can't breathe, you scratch the surface, you are lost and uncertain under the water, you know, that kind of like tide. And of course you're not supposed to enjoy that. There's nothing in that that's enjoyable, but you also have to remember that that's not everything that is. That's, you know, when you're under the water, there's still sun in the sky. There's still people around. There's still, um, but being swept off your feet like that is really uncomfortable. And um, I find that when I'm struggling, 
the thing that's hardest for me is getting regrounded is that when I get it's like being pulled under the water and I like have to get my feet under me again Mm -hmm. because when you're just when things are going you know and I'm putting in quotes air quotes good you you feel stable and you're walking along the beach and you're you can walk in the water and you're like yeah I've got all these things together and then all of a sudden you get pulled in and you're like oh I don't have stability again because lack of stability means uncertainty and here's the thing what I've been I've I've been saying this a lot lately, and I've noticed that our friend Duffy is uh, John Duffy has been writing about this a lot lately. Is this pandemic that we are still in, by the way? Um, but we've made some huge inroads, you know, vaccinations and you know things are opening, and and I understand that there is light. I'm I'm right there with you, but you know there is a lot of mental wellness stuff that we're going to have to deal with now that we are seeing the light. And, and so it's this weird, like, things are moving in the right direction in many ways, but we're going to have to deal with what remains underneath. Yeah, there's some, like, toxic residue yes. as a result of us holding the steering wheel so right. tight for the last 12 months. Once all of a sudden we can relax our hands on the steering wheel, and I'm using that metaphor in terms of COVID, mm-hmm. once we kind of let go of the steering wheel a little bit and turn on the radio or yeah. adjust the windows, then other things can show up that we weren't aware of. Or they were there. We just couldn't pay attention to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just remember in the middle of the summer, or maybe it was worse going into the fall. Or actually, I think my worst time was around Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, which, which worst time did I have? And I remember being like, there are only so many things that we could, you know, we had gone through, you know, the administration and the pandemic and the racial reckoning that was absolutely necessary and you know fires in california fires and and i was like i like can only be on like one level of this and i'm just surviving you know and trying to help the people i love get through and trying to support people who need support and and so now it's like we can see the full picture and they're so it's a lot and um and so you know we're just i guess you know for those of you who are feeling really good right now that's so great like the, the thing is is if you are feeling good just enjoy it and take it in and take a deep breath and have your coffee right now and be like this is wonderful mm-hmm. um and appreciate that because you know life waves and if we don't enjoy the whole point of that thing that I wrote was when good comes in, enjoy it. You know, for people who are like, well, I don't want to get too comfortable or the other shoe might drop or that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Cause, cause that's when things are good. You're not even enjoying that. I think there's this pendulum where some people don't want to express their joy because they feel like it's about to end and other people cling to it right. and hold on to it so tightly that when it goes, which it will it because will. we're human beings, uh-huh. we get so sad and disappointed. And it's, there's a sweet spot in the middle that um, I want to do my best to cultivate. And I know I'm going to screw it up a lot of the time. Right. Well, and the sweet spot, like there's not control here. What you're, What we're doing is, yes, there's some choices that we can make to... Um, keep ourselves emotionally well and there are, you know, people we can depend on and help we can ask for. And, you know, like I'm writing in my journal every morning and I'm meditating and doing all the things that we always do, but some things are out of our grasp, Mm. meaning things happen. Like, you know, we could have never predicted 
a year ago, like January, February, that we would be going through a year pandemic. You, we can't control certain things and we can't control what people are experiencing. But we can, this is why, it, you know, the quote, the life waves, it comes from John uh, Kabat-Zinn's quote that, you know, we can learn to surf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the waves come, we can learn to surf them. And I don't think I'm saying that exactly right, but he says something similar to that, right? I don't know. Uh, will you look it up so I can say it the right way? Just look up John Kabat-Zinn. I don't surf. even know how to spell that. I always screw the name. Uh, K-A-B-E-T. K-A-B-E-T. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is, is how do we ride the waves of life, so we're not constantly being thrown under. I mean, some things I can't avoid. It just throws me. <laughs> just, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Yeah, real basic. You can't stop them, but you can learn to surf. And surf the good ones, too. I was just saying to Todd this morning, because I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was like, this is amazing. And mm. I did enjoy it, though. Mm. Like, I will say that when things are good, because I've, you know, being 49 and having a lot of challenges and you know, mental wellness issues of my own. Sometimes I'm like, when I feel good, I take it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is great. And I also deal with migraines. And so if I, if I'm feeling good and I don't have a migraine and everyone seems fairly healthy, no one, no one's perfect. That's all you need. I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then, and then life happens. And then life happens. <laughs> well, it's funny. And we might go down a tangent and that's okay. We don't really have much of an agenda for this morning's podcast anyways, but I had my men's group meeting last night and Frank, who's the co-founder of this group with me, he, he, he was struggling with some things and he was trying to um, navigate through the balance between like whenever things are happening, it's our responsibility. Like the only thing that could really, the only thing I have, we have control over is us. So it's all like radical responsibility. And he's like, so whenever things go down, like I need to figure this out. And then like, but then he came up with three or four examples in his life where the support that he was looking for was essential to him taking that very responsibility of things he had control over. So he was having a hard time like navigating, like, nope, it's all on me. It's all on me. And then he's like, no, wait a second. The support actually is a huge variable in the idea of us being well. Well, even asking for support. So they're both true. It's paradoxical. Yeah, it's both and. Because asking for support is a way we take care of ourselves. It's our responsibility. Like I'm very blunt with clients and friends about you have to ask for support. Like I'm, I, I have to, Mm -hmm. like I am right now, like Mm -hmm. I have to ask for it because that's the way I'm being responsible. Yeah. And Yeah, part of our responsibility is to, part of our 100% responsibility of our lives is to ask for support. Correct. And so it's completely true. The thing that I can relate to that Frank was saying, and, and I don't know in what context or what he was talking about, but I definitely have the weight, especially as a parent of, it is all on me. Um, and I'm the leader Mm -hmm. of everything. So you know, like for example, like a, a different example is with my mom, who is, you know, she has dementia and, and my sister and I support her. Um, it, my sister is definitely more of the lead because she's closer to her. She lives closer to her. And my sister just has taken that role with my dad and now my mom. I'm with my mom a couple times a week. Um, and, but I know that it's kind of like I'm not the, top line. Yeah. My yeah, sister. You're not on the front line, you're one back. Yeah. And that's just by 
there's a lot of reasons. Proximity, yeah. you know, the age, my sister's older than me, the things that we didn't necessarily choose. And I don't know if she would have chosen, but that's, just, you know, whereas I feel like what goes on here in this house is I am the, the top line. line. So if something gets missed, um, and I'm going to say it this way because this is the way it comes out in the shame way. It's my fault. Mm. Yeah. If right. you're on the front line and, and the, you know, this is sorry to use a war metaphor, but the enemies are, atta- are, are penetrating. I was the last you line the one. Defense. Yeah. Right. And I've told you that all along with, um, when the girls were little, when, you know, when they were really little, I am the last line of defense. Like mm-hmm. you show up and do things or what should I do? Or can I take them or how can I help? But then that's me still figuring out how do you help? Yeah. And that is what being last line of defense means. And we can feel that way sometimes with our parents. We can feel that way with our kids. We can feel that way with our partner. We can feel that way with certain friendships or our pets or, you know, there's like this, this, um, this aching anxiety mm-hmm. of like, I have to keep my eye on so many things. And so it's hard. That's why I was saying that sometimes when I'm feeling good and that anxiety is a little less, mm-hmm. um, I really enjoy it yeah. <laughs> and it's few and far between. Like I think that comes and, and here's another thing, you guys, the interesting thing is, is one thing I have noticed. And like I said, I journal about this. So I remember, and I put post-its up in my room. So I remember is sometimes when things are too, like we kind of romanticize things being really good mm-hmm. of like, Oh, things are calm. Nothing's going on. The human brain doesn't like that. No, We want things to do. It's supposed to scan the environment for threats. Exactly. So even when there's no problem, we sometimes will still be stressed about something that isn't real because we don't know how to be in our skin. One thing that my um, therapist was uh, helping me with last summer when things were so chaotic, as I said to her, I'm actually better. All right. Before we uh, move on, I do want to talk about uh, our partner of the day, and that is Newsdrop. Uh, Newsdrop's an app on my phone that summarizes the top news of the day. It's quick to read, and the content is unbiased and accurate. It's simple, but it's fantastic for those of us who want to take a news diet and get a break from all the noise. Stay smart by reading short and optimized news summaries of the world's top stories made for quick reading, factual coverage, and maximum relevance. Two things that convinced me to partner with Newsdrop, uh, trusted sources, their editors carefully assess the stories and sources based on global impact, relevance, and potential bias. If it hasn't been covered by reputable sources, you won't find it on Newsdrop. And then secondly, focus on what matters. Don't sweat the unimportant stuff. They do the hard work of reading tons of news stories and delivering only the most significant headlines so you can do more productive things instead. Read news faster, News made for skimmers. Download the news drop on your iPhone today. Was helping me with last summer when things were so chaotic, as I said to her, I'm actually better in a real crisis than in the fake ones that mm-hmm. I make up in my mind. Like oh, the yeah. fake ones that I make up in my mind where I'm like, here's what I need to do or here's what we need to get in order. I'm like so highly anxious about that. But when a real crisis like the pandemic yeah. hits, I'm actually can kick into action and I feel less of the anticipatory anxiety because I'm already in it and I just have to do what I need to do. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and I don't know why that is, but I, maybe it's the, um, you know, the cleverness of our ego of making thing, making potential scenarios dangerous, even though they haven't even occurred yet. Like that is more anxiety provoking 
than being in that very same situation? I think it's the thing, I'll say what I dislike the most. Um, it's the kick in the gut. Mm-hmm. What we're the tr- initial... what I'm trying to avoid is the initial disappointment, the initial fear, the initial kick in the gut. I told my sister a couple of weeks ago, I said, it's the waking up the next day. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest for me. So something happens yeah. and you deal with it. Yeah. And then your unconscious takes over for six hours when yeah. you go to sleep and then you wake up yeah. and you're like, and I always think of that like when I was little, when I would get in trouble. I remember one time I got in trouble because I kicked some beer cans when I was 14 years old and I got brought into the police station and I woke up the next morning because for six hours or eight hours, I had forgotten because I was asleep. And then yeah. I'm like, oh my God, did that really happen? Fast forward to my mom dying. And for six or eight hours when I was asleep, the night after my mom died, I be, I was at peace. Yeah. And then I woke up, I'm like- You have to do it again. She died. Yeah. And that's what we do in crisis, or that's what we do when we when things change or when someone dies or when we're in pain is that we have to wake up and we have to remember- and keep going. Mm-hmm. And th- so there's no, I know what we have to do, but that it's not, I don't feel lost in that. It's the feelings that we don't like. Like interesting, um, a book that I used to recommend a long time ago by, it's called uh, The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. And I don't remember when it came out, but years and years ago. And her whole point of The Desire Map was you have to figure out the feelings that you want to have in life. And instead of trying to move toward goals of like, I want this job or I want this person or I want to live in this place, in life, we're not searching for those goals. We're searching for certain feelings. Always. So if we can acknowledge that and move toward those feelings, we don't need to live in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people are always, you know, wherever you go, there you are. People are always packing up and leaving because they're like, everything's going to be different in this place. But you took yourself there. Yeah. So it's really not any different. You you carry the same issues. Um, I mean, I'm sure that people can give me examples of they moved to the mountains and they became happier yeah. or whatever. But relatively speaking, it doesn't change. So it's this is... So that's the positive is that if you can figure out the feelings you want to feel, then you can move toward those. But the problem is there are also feelings none of us want to feel. Mm -hmm. And in certain scenarios, we can't avoid those feelings. Getting kicked in the gut means shock, um, pain, fear, sadness, you know, when you get news about something that's scary. And you have to go through that. And then sometimes you have to wake up and go through it again and remember and process through it. And it changes and evolves. And, you know, sometimes it evolves a good way and sometimes it evolves a bad way. And this is the discomfort that we're always trying to avoid. And there's different levels of it. You know, sometimes it's really basic things during the day where we're like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with the discomfort of seeing someone at the grocery store or something like that. And then there's the big ones where it's like, I don't want to, you know, this pain that I'm experiencing or this new awareness is, it's a lot for my brain to take in. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if we're hardwired to be able to take in the fear and the sadness and the anger that comes up. And, you know, for some reason, I think, for some reason, I'm thinking of Thich Nhat Hanh right now. Is he still alive? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce his name? Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm-hmm. And he had a stroke. Yeah. And who knows what's going on in that man's brain. But I have a feeling 
he's at peace with dying and transitioning and being unable to do the things that he physically wants to do. And there are exceptional human beings on this planet, but for the rest of us, you know, I guess I just want to gain some inspiration from those teachers, but, uh, it's not easy. Who, who in their right mind would be like, okay, yeah, this is sadness. This is fear. This is anxiety. Um, I don't think we want to be a part of that, but that's what we sign up for when we, when we show up as human beings. Right. And I think if I look through my life, he's 94, by the way, I just looked it up. Um, he was born in 1926, Mm. um, is that I think I have the most discomfort when I'm helping someone else or when it's someone in my family, because, which has been a lot of my life, Mm. um, you know, helping people in my family, because you have to stay so hyper alert to not just your own feelings, but to everybody else, right? Like there's, it's one thing when I, you know, I can remember with my own anxiety and when I'd had depression at certain times, it was really just all about me. Mm -hmm. And so I could use, I could, you know, do all the good things, ask for help and everything, but I could use a lot of, of mindfulness and a lot of meditation and be like, this is just something I'm healing in myself. And I think when you add on I'm healing something in myself and I need to help someone else heal. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's a compounded Yeah, it's on compound interest. It, it is. It grows it, faster it grows, and becomes heavier yeah. and yeah. Compound interest is a positive though, isn't it? Oh, it depends on what direction it's going in. You yeah. can make compound interest on your credit card debt. Oh, a good point. But yeah, typically compound interest is used in terms of saving money. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, um yeah, you just said something. What was I going to say? You um Using, I don't remember. Was it something about that when it's just me, I can just focus on my insides, but when it's me... Mm, Right, it becomes heavier. And I guess for me, I don't know if it's hardwiring or environmental or because I'm a man walking on this earth and you're a woman walking on this earth. I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but um, I, for lack of a better term, I do a better job of compartmentalizing. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody, and I'm not really, I'm not uh, an expert at it. I don't even know if that's what you want to be, but for, you know, it's kind of like we used to talk about that book that I never read, but men are waffles and women are spaghetti. Like, was that really a book or was that just? I think it's a book. Oh, okay. Um, You know, everything gets intertwined and, you know, you're two on the Enneagram, you're a feeler. And um, so it's just, uh, you know, we just, I think we talked up like a month ago about the differences of how you and I work. And I feel like, you are here in my life to help me become more like you. And maybe I'm here in your life for us to kind of like meet in the middle mm-hmm. because you're, you know, we're talking about empathy and boundaries. Um, I think your empathic radar or capacity is much higher and more heightened than mine is. Mm-hmm. And mine is lower. Like, you know, I, we just did this men's group last night and we talked about some of the horrific news that's been going on lately with some shootings and, uh, my empathy radar is just really stunted. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel for the people in a way that I think other people do when they turn on the news and they start crying because these innocent people have lost their lives. Well, and the thing that I will say to you about that is that there are no simple answers to that. Cause you and I have talked about this a lot over the course of our marriage, you know, like why, how do you feel and why do I feel? And 
I 100% agree with you. I need talk about something I need help with. My empathy boundaries are very porous. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm with somebody, dude, I might as well just be inside their body yeah. because it's like I can feel all the things and, you know, what's going on in the news right now. Um, I have had to really, um, I'm reading it, but I, I almost am like, there's a big wall because I can't take it all in. Um, but part of it is the, so, okay. How do I say this? So part of my, part of what I would call a gift that I have is that I really feel everything I'm feeling, Mm -hmm. meaning I'm very like attuned to, oh, here's this feeling and this is what I call it and this is what this feels like and here's how I process through it. This is how you express it. This is how I express it and this is what I do. So what that means is when someone else is feeling a way that I can really relate to, it's a really easy jump for me. Mm -hmm. Everything is kind of fluid. Mm -hmm. Like Whereas I think with you, and again, I will call it a gift, for you, because at times like this, when I'm having a harder time, I would much prefer to be like you. Sure. Um, is that because you kind of, it's not that you don't, it, we're not going to play the game anymore of, oh, I don't feel emotions. Cause we know that's mm. not true about you. Mm. You have plenty of feelings and emotions and you're very tapped in, but you have much more of a habit or of a lifetime of not engaging in your own mm-hmm. feelings doesn't mean they're not there. You just don't engage with them as much. So when somebody else is feeling something, it doesn't come up. Right. So it's not lack of empathy. It's like, it's obvious. Like if, if I don't have an em- embracing of my own emotions, Correct. why would I have an embracing of somebody else's? Correct. So for you, so you and I have to do two different things. I have to I'm really t- so fluid that I have to like become a little more like an ice cube rather than water, mm-hmm. which it's very hard for me to do. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's even possible. I'm trying to get a better metaphor there. Like I need like Here, I, I'm a thinking, thicker soup. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of a popsicle. Yeah. So, you know, I think of being a little kid. I love, I love thinking of memories of me as a little kid. So we used to have popsicles in the freezer Yeah. and you are the melted popsicle. Yeah. For like, and I am the one that just came out of the freezer two seconds ago. Neither one of them are really that useful. Does yours have freezer burn? Yes. Sometimes mine has freezer burn, yeah. which is the worst, but I eat it anyways. I know. Even ice cream that has freezer burn, I'm like, it's fine. All right. But we all have had popsicles. I make up a story that everybody listening to this has had a popsicle. There's that sweet spot of the popsicle where it's just soft enough where you can bite in it, where it doesn't hurt your teeth and you're still enjoying it. That's what I think. I want to be that middle, that that perfect popsicle in between meltiness and just rigid hardness. Well, and then that gets into where we want to be versus what's real humanity. Right. Right? Like- Can we accept ourselves for being the type of popsicle that we are? I mean, dude- I am going to be 50 in a few months. There, you know, this this ship has sailed. <laughs> like I'm cooked. And when I say that, I don't mean I have, that I don't have more to learn. And I don't mean that, because I, I just told Todd this morning, I, you know, sometimes in the morning I, I have a harder time and I, I can feel some strength coming. Do you, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm starting to have a little, I can feel a, some I don't even know how to explain it because I can only do it through swearing and I can't uh, swear on this show. Like I have a little more of an effort, like this is what we're doing, you know, attitude. So I can tell that that's, I'm, there's always something more to learn. Even when you're 
94. Mm -hmm. It's not like, but the part of me that's cooked (laughs) that I know is who I am is my initial responses. Mm -hmm. Like this, there's a part of my personality and a part of the way that I care for people and the part of the way that I show up in the world that this is just initial response for me. And even though I've grown over the last 25 years significantly, I, I'm just, I, I, sometimes I'm just kind of a a melty popsicle. Mm -hmm. Like, and I just, um, I, I guess the good news is, is I'm less hard on myself about it. Um, I don't, I, you know, when I'm crying and Todd's listening, I don't apologize anymore and say, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, dude, this is, this is me, messy person. You Um, know, the one thing I learned most about when you cry of what not to say, what? Let it out. Oh my God. It drives me crazy. Don't ever, <laughs> ever say that. It's the, And think about it. It's such a, sorry, but it's such a dumb thing to say because I already am. So what are you saying to I, me? I'm saying it's okay. <laughs> That's like me riding past you on a bike and you go, ride the bike. Yeah. Ride the bike. I'm like, I am riding the bike. Yeah. Watch me ride the bike. Like, don't tell me to ride the bike. Say I'm doing a good job riding the bike or that, or just watch me ride the bike. Yeah. Like- so I am riding the bike. Yeah. I so I haven't said that in a long time. No. And I think that was just your discomfort and like, what do I say? It's, but it's, it's because I didn't have the vocabulary, the words to convey, I love you. Oh, that's, that's really, interesting. you know, when I'm saying let it out, I'm saying this is a good thing. Right. And, and I, in, because you spoke up, you know, we talk about using our voices, especially for women who've been taught to be. Um, culturally, like, you know, the man is in charge, all those lies that you guys are taught growing up. And you are taught, by the way. And I We are all taught. That's right. Of course. Um, So yeah, anyways. That was one thing that, um, and the reason I say that to Todd about, you know, last week, I hope you guys listened to last week's show with Soraya um, Chamali, who wrote Rage Becomes Her, and she is the uh, executive director of the Representation Project, which put out the movie Misrepresentation and The Mask You Live In and a new one called The Big Lie. Is it called The Big Lie? Great American Lie. The Great American. The Big Lie is the Trump thing. The Great American Lie. Um, And, you know, we talked a lot about how you know, just that sentence where it's like, oh, women have been taught to do this and women have been taught to take care of themselves and women need to, when they're outside, they need to bring mace and women need to do this. And we teach women a lot of things, yet we don't talk about what we teach men. Mm -hmm. And you guys have also been taught to, you know, things that are, that need to be unwound. It's not women that need to learn new things. Deprogramming. Exactly. We all need this deprogramming. Unlearn what we have learned. Exactly. So anyway, do you want to at least go over one of these things that Brene says? 33 minutes in, we're still doing the intro. Um, So, which is fine with me, but let's just go over. um, So anyway, what Todd's bringing up is this like five minute clip. It's this interview. that We'll put it in the show notes so you can uh, check it out. And basically, it's something that I always show my students every semester. It's just a great conversation about empathy, or excuse me, about boundaries, but empathy too, but about boundaries and what Brene found in her research when it comes to boundaries. And so why don't you just play a clip and we'll just discuss. One of the most shocking findings of my work was the idea that the most compassionate people I have interviewed over the last 13 years were also the absolutely most boundaried. Because they, so I'll give you a great definition of the, the, the definition of boundary that I use in the book. Boundary is simply what's okay and what's not okay. What I think we do is we don't set boundaries 
we let people do things that are not okay or get away with behaviors that are not okay, then we're just resentful and hateful. Me, I'd rather be loving and generous and very straightforward with what's okay and what's not okay. Boom. That's a good start. Absolutely. Um, I And I, I guess I couldn't agree more. I, I was just sharing this with someone a couple weeks ago about it's really, it's, it makes so much sense. Like I can see it in my my head. Like if if we are giving and loving and sharing and we have no voice in that, meaning that people can take advantage of us or people have no idea how hard we're working or people just assume that we'll be there no matter what. And we have no like, and again, there's no other word for it. We have no boundary of this is okay or this isn't okay. We will burn out mm-hmm. and we will be resentful. There's just no way to do it. And um, and this is, again, this, you know, it kind of hits me in the gut because I know this when it comes to work. I know this when it comes to um, friendships. I know this when it comes to a lot of different areas of my life, but then sometimes there are certain areas where I don't practice it as well. You know, like we can feel really proud of ourselves for how we stand up at work, but then how do we talk at home or vice versa? Yeah, you we know? have all these different buckets. Exactly. And I'll be like, I give myself an A plus in this bucket right. because I can really set certain boundaries at work. And then, oh, but when it comes to my sister-in-law or right. whatever, I'm just making something up. I was going to say, you don't need to set boundaries with my sister-in-law. Yeah. My sister. Yeah. I'm just, I just decided to come up with a family member, not of mine, but just in general, our family, Mm -hmm. then I'm horrible at it. And it's so weird. Like you think if you're good at one thing, you're good at all of them, but that's not what we sign up for either. No, because every relationship is different, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, and everyone has a different, all the relationships have different histories. Meaning we may look at a... uh, Oh, Somebody's got to go to school. Oh, yeah. Oh, hi, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. I forgot that you have to go to school in the morning. So did I. My alarm didn't go off. Um, so I guess we're done talking on this podcast. Um, do you want to come say hi? Okay. Um, so we played 48 seconds of a five and a, a six-minute clip. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Um, but uh, yeah, sometimes parenting duties shows up in the midst of a podcast. <laughs> this is real time. So I'm going to play the outro music. Say thank you to our bald-headed beauty, Jeremy Kraft. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Um, we will catch you guys next week, and happy end of March, I guess. That's right. Moving into spring, my friends. Keep trucking, everybody. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners and an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. Team Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Team Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group, and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 730. 
interested or want to share the details with someone you love, you can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.